one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Well, welcome back, prospectors, to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we delve into those salty, salty mines of the Magic the Gathering subreddits, find the salty posts that we know and love, and we bring them back out, read them to you guys, talk about them, analyze these salty <laughs> situations. <laughs> what? You don't like analyze? <laughs> oh, We're analyzing these situations, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, we are. <laughs> as always i'm your host sam and i'm joined you already heard from him but I, i'm joined today <laughs> fuck you're messing me up <laughs> i'm all messed up uh, i'm joined today by my two co-hosts mike and tony say hey guys hello peeps howdy coming through crystal clear today mike yeah, I, uh, you know, the last one I recorded from my bathtub at a distance of about yeah. 10 feet. So, uh, and it was really difficult to speak through the scuba mask as well. So hopefully my audio is a little bit, a little bit crisper today. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it is way, it's super crispy. It's terrible. We, re- we record that whole episode and then on the first listen back of even like a tiny segment of it, it's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. You're like, was this, was this wrong? <laughs> I feel like it's the air of, of, you know, the, the web-based communication apps though, because like you did sound good to us when we were recording, but it's like, I don't know yeah. about you guys, but like for work, especially every time I switch between teams or WebEx or Amazon chime or zoom, like it changes my audio device. Like every fucking time, like every yeah. app I go into, it changes like totally my computer decides what it's going to pick that day. And I'm like, great. What the fuck ever? Like, yeah, that shit's so frustrating. It doesn't help that there's like a USB plugged into every single port on my oh, desktop. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's like just a million wires coming out of that it. It just sounds like maximum efficiency, but mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say I do take company conference calls from my podcasting mic and everyone's always like, Sam, your audio is so crispy and amazing. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I take professionalism really seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Can I get a raise? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so crisp. I think I'm deserving of a raise. Exactly. I uh I have I just have like a separate personal setup and I haven't made the I wanted to get like a switch and be fancy and like do all this stuff that I was like, this is like too much fucking work. That's what I have. I, I have uh this is super boring audio content, but I have like a USB hub that has a switch on top and I can switch between my work laptop and my personal laptop without plugging anything back in which is fucking sick that's cool yeah it's harder to do that when you have a pc and a laptop and even harder when the it's a pc like windows and then a fucking mac like that nobody wants to they don't play nice with one another i mean the usb thing would still work yeah no they still work but I, i i tried like some and i was like having some issues with it yeah and everything i was reading kept coming back to like 
like this doesn't like to play as well with Macs and like because also I have like weird shit that I want to plug in. It's like not necessarily just USB stuff. Yeah, like what? Like, I'm just a problem child. Like your wiener into a USB slot. <laughs> yeah, no, that only. <laughs> I was about to diss myself and be like, no, it only fits in USB C. Like, oh, wow. That was like, my immediate reaction. Oh, Whatever, man. I'm over this conversation. Yeah, we're children. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure the listeners are over this too. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? So other than our computer setups, what's new with you guys? Well, I wanted to say that today I actually scanned uh, the last loose card of my collection. So I now have a fully digital list of all my cards. Wow. Wow. You gave yourself a birthday present. I did. <laughs> Happy birthday again. Oh, yeah. It's Tony's birthday today. It is. It is for all the fans out there. And no one sent any listener mail uh, wishing him a happy birthday. So That's I kind hope of fucked there, up. There better be a lot of like belateds on the way in, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting I'm sure. lots of belated happy birthday fan mail. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You guys fucking suck. <laughs> if Tony dies in the next week, you guys will feel really. Yeah, you'll bad feel bad because oh, wow. I won't even yeah. hear it. You would have made your peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is coming out on like, I think this episode's coming out on like Thanksgiving, so it's not actually Tony's birthday today. It was like six or seven days prior true true life the magic of recording exactly <laughs> that's why they need to be really belated yeah they got into like a time vortex and like <laughs> it, it was and wasn't my birthday when this happened you know so tell us about that list tony what are you going to do with that why did you do that so i did it because i was realizing that i was doing a lot of deck building and i kept i knew i had cards but i didn't know where they were and i was just buying them I was like buying more copies of cards that I knew I had because it was like more of a pain to go look for it than it was to just do it. So partially I like got rid of all the chaff. Like I had so much fucking chaff. I gave her away like 5,000 cards. Really? Yeah. What'd you give them to? Who'd you give them to? So actually at first I was going to just like donate them to like a school or something. Spread that magic love. But then I was like, oh, I got to find a school. I got to find somebody who's going to take it. I got to like do all this stuff. And I was like, maybe if I just put this on Facebook Marketplace, somebody will take it. And like within five minutes, somebody hit me up. I put it up for like 20 bucks. And somebody hit me up and was like, yo, like, can I, I'm, I'm down. Like, I'm going to do some like kitchen table magic. I want to, you know, support a school, support some charitable donations, but yeah. $20 is $20, $20 bill <laughs> in my back pocket. Just be such a better gift to myself. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Dude, best $20 uh, ever spent. Did you scan the chaff? Did you like pull out commons and uncommons that are spicy? Oh yeah. 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 I did do that. I like okay. went through and I was like, I even pull that stuff that like isn't that great, but things that I knew I would use in Commander. So I looked yeah, through man. everything. So when I say it's chaff, it, it was like it was fucking trash. Dookie yeah. chaff, yeah, like five mana three threes. Yeah, <laughs> lots of five <laughs> mana three threes and like stuff that like you just don't use. It like we're fun to draft or like just yeah. have at a point. But like I was like, I literally will never use these. So like the I, last uh, card in a draft that just gets handed to, you and you're like, well. I guess this is mine now and I have no yeah. choice about it. Yes. I own this. Or like every pack I've ever opened that I'm like, I don't want 10 of these cards yeah. or I don't want all 15 of these cards, but I'd keep it anyway. The ones where you've looked like straight to the rare, like literally yeah. probably cards you never looked at while yes. opening the pack. <laughs> That's literally what it Just was. Just throwing the rest right in the trash. But that dude like was so excited and that honestly like felt good too. Even though nice, he was paying man. me money for it. I was, I was, he was like so hyped. 
because uh, I mean his collection grew pretty big that day. Like exactly. when I say five thousand totally. cards, I'm not kidding. It was five thousand cards. Like that's wild. I'm very like emotionally attached to my yeah. chaff. Oh, yeah, me too. I don't have that problem at all. I have it like pretty sorted by color in like a you know one of those like six row I had it by boxes. Set. And man, there's some old shit in there from college that is like a dookie trash card, you know, like a three mana or a, I was going to say a three mana five, five. That's a good card. A five mana three, three. <laughs> Let me tell you a couple of cards that I did keep that are trash, but I, I was like, I'm going to keep this. Is it your entire Grenzo deck? <laughs> uh, the first is Zurin Orb. It says sacrifice oh, a land. Orb. OP. You gain two life. Zurin Orb is busted, dude. And this is that's... just like a meme that like we have. We were yeah, like, it's also Zurin Orb actually is busted. It's pretty good. So I'll it's explain that good. meme. So I for a while I had a I had a Kirik deck that I was like, this deck is high power. And, and I pretty much always sucked ass with it. Genuinely, the list was like a good Kirik combo deck, but I just always fucking played it like trash. And one game we had, I played Zurin Orb. <laughs> and the only thing I could do was like sack my lands to gain life. And I kept doing that. And at the end of the game, I just was sacking lands. And everyone was like, he's going off like Zurin Orb. It's OP. So now it's a, it's a little meme for us. For the fans, he didn't, he didn't really go off. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go off. I did just get rocked by a Zurin Orb. Pat has a deck that runs Zurin Orb in a like effectively, <laughs> a really effectively because it's with Titania, Titania, Titania. Uh, Defender of Argoth, where whenever you're, I think it's pretty much whenever a land dies, you can. Yeah, you get a 5 mm, three, five, three. green elemental. Yeah, that's so he played Zurin Orb and was like, okay, so he'd been ramping all game. He was like, I can gain 30 life and make 15 five threes whenever I want to. And we're all like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, Zurin Orb. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the thing you didn't consider is that Pat's a better deck builder than me. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Pat's kind of a better deck builder than all of us. He, yeah, he's he kind of a cracked spicy. deck builder. Yeah, his decks <laughs> are always fucking Bruce, crazy, man. For sure. But the other one I wanted to mention was a yoked ox. So I have oh, a yoked ox. Yo. It's oh, it's an O4 creature ox <laughs> that's one uh, white to play. Uh, it's hollow and Mike gave me this. So like, Fuck I just, yeah. I, it was definitely in my chaff and like, I saw it and I was like, I, I can't get rid of the yoked ox. Like you no. just can't do that. You're kind of a yoked ox, Tony. You know, <laughs> Tony's fucking jacked. People don't, people <laughs> may not know that. True. And no, it's true. My it's forearms true. are large, but that's oh. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your forearms are fucking crazy. Tony's a rock climber. Just throw that out. And you know, you know. But anyway, he's fucking cranking it. <laughs> <laughs> the moral here, kids, is that scanning your collection feels great. I got rid of like all the other stuff. It did take a while. And the app that I used wasn't the best. Like I, but there isn't a better thing. I used the TCG player uh, scanning app. The biggest yeah. issue I had was all the black cards. Dude, preach, dude. Literally every single black it's card like, I had to manually enter. And I was like, yeah, fuck this shit. But anyway, that's my story about my shit well i love it, it. Feels thank good. you tony that was great to hear sort your cards people donate your chaff or don't just love that history just yeah or don't that. donate your just chaff. Like, let it sit in a box that you don't look at it's all good 
whatever brings you joy. And sometimes when you need that card, you just sift through all of the cards that you've ever owned. And then you finally find it. And it's the best fucking feeling. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you don't find it and you're like, fuck me. I'll just buy this one cent card. <laughs> yeah. But mind. you end up with like four half built decks whenever you do that too. So it's like this nice side benefit where it's like, oops, I pulled out all these great oh, <laughs> cards on this one theme. <laughs> that's True the worst, man. You start I going through that. it and you're like, oh, this looks good. This looks good. And then I make a little pile of that and then i find <laughs> yeah. the pile later on and i'm like what the fuck is this why was yeah. this here <laughs> <laughs> i have to sort all these cards now <laughs> and what was i even thinking on the day yeah well what do we talk about here do we talk about like insurance is this an insurance podcast <laughs> this is a- <laughs> <laughs> the howling insurance mine <laughs> uh yeah we talk about salt great rates coming to you live from <laughs> <laughs> This is a uh, this is a podcast about salt. We're going to be talking about salty stories. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed our little extended preamble. And yeah, now we're going to get into it. But Sam, what's salt? Thanks, Tony. Great question. You know, salt is frustrations in the game. It is when you are getting kind of angry at the game state, maybe getting a little angry at your opponents. Um, salt can also be somebody who's kind of being a jerk at the table, bringing the vibe down, their salt can make you salty. You know, there's a lot of different flavors of salt in Magic the Gathering. It's also when you like scan a card and like an app tells you that your card's worth like 70 bucks and then you're like freaking out and you're like, yeah. And then, and then it, you realize it's like captured the wrong, <laughs> the wrong, the wrong printing. And <laughs> so it's like fucking 11 cents. <laughs> That Dude, was that salt for me. to me a lot, especially <laughs> with those mystery boosters foils. It would yes. be like, oh, you have an original like Mirrodin foil. And I was like, no, I don't. They're like, oh, it's worthless. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. A lot of weird old foils are worth a lot of money. I've got a foil thorn elemental from like seventh edition or something. Oh, yeah. That and was it's like a like, promo card. It was like seven or eight bucks. I was yeah. like, sick. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a classic that card in there. Sucks, yeah, but... that card sucks ass. I kept it. Thorn Let's Elemental's go. fine. <laughs> Get out of here, Mike. <laughs> bro, please. Bro, please. Go Thorn on, Elemental bro. is so good. <laughs> so this is going to be a slightly different episode. As I'm sure you can tell from the title of the podcast today, this is a mail time episode. So we are not delving into those salty, salty minds. You have brought the salt to us, delivered it in a nice package and we're going to rip it open. Like it's Christmas day, pull out that salt and, um, you know, complete the metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Solid. (laughs) Now, do you get salt for being on the nice list or the naughty list, Sam? Um, you know, it depends. I I've definitely been gifted salt and I've definitely gifted salt to people like artisanal, like truffle mm. salt. I've definitely given my mom some truffle salt for Christmas. Oh, we're going beyond. I thought you just meant like you've gifted salt. And I was like, you've gifted me a lot of salt. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I didn't realize we meant like real salt. <laughs> yeah, like real physical salt. I, I've definitely given I it away. I've definitely done that too. Yeah. Future branding for us. Yeah. We're going to give away. Yeah, we're going to partner. Salt. I've always said this. We should find some like random. <laughs> like a real salt company. Yeah. Yeah. And like. Dude, there's a local one where I live. Like it's good salt too. Fundy salt uh, from the Sea of Fundy, Bay of Fundy. The Bay of Fundy. 
bay. Yeah, it's a bay. It's not a sea. Uh, up in Canada, it's fucking lit. It was real good. Wow. We should we should do that. <laughs> Mike is <laughs> Mike is like fucking wrap it up, guys. All right, let's get into it, guys. Let's. Here's the salt that never faults. It makes me want to tap my vault. When it comes, I must exalt salt. <laughs> I'm telling you, you just got to take that little bit now and just like uh, record it and just yeah, insert add the, some like weird yeah, sound effects. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, just like look up the Blues Clues song on YouTube and then cut the <laughs> lyrics out and yeah. just directly put that on top of it. There's no way that would have negative impacts. I'm sure there's a karaoke <laughs> version of the Blues Clues mm. song that has no lyrics. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I make all my other stuff. <laughs> Pro tip. All right, let's get into it, guys. This is enough jibber-jabbing. Our first bit of mail today comes to us from Instagram. This is from one of our Instagram friends. And this comes to us from Lotus Cobra Commander. And the post says, Hey, guys, really loving your podcast. I have a submission for you. Hey, thank you. I was playing casually with a regular play group, and I was playing Vito the Dusk Rose as my commander. One player had a creature with infect with one of the swords that gave it protection from black, and he had already attacked me to give me some poison counters. Because I was playing mono black, I couldn't deal with the creature and opted for player removal. I cast a blood tribute to make him lose half his life, then tap Vito to gain that much life, triggering Vito, and targeted him to lose the other half, knocking him out of the game. I admit it was greasy, but the response was incredible. Being the first to get knocked out, he got super salty, threw some choice words at the play, got up, packed his stuff, and went home. I went on to win within a few more rounds, maybe 15, 20 minutes later. He could have stuck around for another game, as it didn't drag on too long after he got knocked out. Was the two-card combo too harsh? Oof. No. Never. <laughs> I don't think it was too harsh. I think it was spicy. But I, I do think it's so unpredictable how long a game can last. So I don't blame him for the leaving. Yeah, I don't blame him for the leaving, I guess. I do. No, that's a lie. I do. I blame this person for the leaving. Not, not to like want to sit and watch the rest of the game. Like I would be annoyed in that scenario too. And I would be like, I don't want to watch you play. Like, I don't want to watch you guys play when you knock me out first. Well, it's because you're rude. But it's like, <laughs> it's exactly what the commander wants to do, right? Like the commander is sitting there like, I'm going to gain a bunch of life and then make you lose it. Oh, totally. Like, I think he was fully within his rights as like, as far as like playing the game, like doing the things. I just mean, like, I do see how for that person, like getting knocked out, like you might want to be like, all right, I would feel the salt. I'm not saying it's right, but I know I would feel salt in that scenario. But he was asking for it. He swung at him with fucking infect. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's like, I think it's totally appropriate. You were about to get knocked out and you were like, well, I don't have creature removal. I don't have artifact removal. I'm going to remove the player. Like, that's totally reasonable. Hell yeah. The thing that sticks out to me with this person packing up their shit and leaving, these people are obviously playing in person, right? And to me, it's like, when I'm playing in person, my tolerance for this kind of stuff goes way, way up because I've spent the time to drive and hang out with people and play in person. Whereas if it's like totally different situation from playing over webcam it's 10 30 11 already i'm kind of tired if i get knocked out early i might just be like all right guys like i'm gonna hang it up here i'm gonna go to bed but if i've taken the time out of my day to hang out with people in person and like make an afternoon of it i'm not leaving in a huff man 
just bust out your phone and you know, like there's other, <laughs> if you need to occupy 15 to 20 minutes of your time, there's other shit you can do. Yeah. Bring your game boy. <laughs> bring my game boy sit there like playing politics like as a removed player play politics trying to get the veto player dead like oh, you man. can do such stupid <laughs> stuff if yeah. you're if you know i'm not advocating for that necessarily but like there's so many things you can do besides besides leaving i'm definitely guilty of some backseat coaching <laughs> when i get knocked out of a game early <laughs> yeah <laughs> some he says <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> it's all in good fun <laughs> also like if this player just showed they like just showed that they can knock a player out in a turn right it's like how yeah. many more turns do you think it's really going to be before they can show that they can do that to all the other players at the table like Definitely. i would expect i would expect a quick game after i get knocked out by a pretty solid combo like this i will say uh, this, I think the, you know, the question here is, was this too harsh? If you want to follow TCG players recommendation, they say that the fair way quotes is to give your creatures lifelink. And then it says the unfair way is to cast exquisite blood and set off infinite cycle of life gain for you and life loss for your opponents. Yeah. So <laughs> this isn't exactly that, but I think like people do often get pretty salty on these like really strong effects that are really hard to interact with. Like yeah. you lose a bunch of life. I gain a bunch of life. Isn't something that's like really easy to jump into to, to interact with. So that kind of stuff is going to draw more salt from people at your table. Yeah, definitely. I think two card combos in general can bring out some salt because there are so few points of interaction, obviously like the classic two card combo that's really overpowered is demonic consultation or tainted pact and Thassa's Oracle. This isn't anywhere near that, frankly, I mean, Exquisite Blood and Sanguine Bond is the other like two card combo that can be done. And I don't really think that that's egregiously powerful. Uh, no. Usually you have a couple turns with one sitting out on the table before the other one hits. And then you do need that life gain or life loss trigger, or whatever the fuck it is. You do need that trigger to happen to set it off. So there are moments of interaction there. Maybe you don't have the interaction in your hand. It just happens. Like sometimes you don't have the removal, you know. And sometimes you just lose. Like, that's how every game is. <laughs> I think it's good. I mean, it's great. And if it happened really early in the game and the game did go on for like another 45 minutes, I might be like, all right, can you guys just like wrap it up? But, you know, I am I don't mind hanging until the end of a game uh, and seeing it through and just kind of watching how it, how it ends up. It's easier for you to take notes when you're dead too, Sam. Yeah, yeah so that is also good. true. <laughs> I also obsessively take notes and record every single turn that we play. So uh, I do feel obligated to stay to the end of the game. <laughs> well, uh, what are we vibing? Do we have a salt rating? I'm going to give this half a shaker because depending on where you look at this, the shaker is half full or the shaker is half empty. <laughs> all right i'll give you that that was decent that was good enough decent good enough it was trash <laughs> yeah what listeners don't know is that mike and i have to give multiple salt ratings every episode and only the ones that tony thinks are decent actually make it in <laughs> our recording times are like multiple hours sometimes 
<laughs> just giving salt rating metaphors. Uh, that would suck. And Tony's like, not good enough. Give me another one. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> what do you think it Mike? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have nothing? No, I got nothing. You did it. You knocked it out of the park. There's just no way of topping that. So. <laughs> well, thanks. That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Sam. But uh, do we have any other <laughs> any other posts we can read? What a smooth transition. <laughs> you know we do. Our next post comes to us from a Gmail submission from our buddy Guillaume's Kitchen. Hey. What's up, Eric? What's going hey. on, dude? Pew, 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 pew. And he knows the vibe very well. His email submission was titled, Guy is cradling D's nuts. <laughs> uh, this is the beauty of like not really looking at those emails. Like, that yeah, fresh a surprise take for me guys. feels good. Feels real good. All righty. The email says, hi guys, here's a salty story that happened about a year ago involving Guy's cradle. It might be a touch lengthy and some of the details are probably missing. Nonetheless, I hope you enjoy. Guillaume. Well, thank you. We will enjoy it. I'm playing Spell Table one evening with two friends, both streaming separately on Twitch. Friend one has just one viewer who starts giving tips and comments on our plays and asks to join after the current game, to which we agree with open arms. He joins our Discord server, and we proceed to discuss power level. He says he has a few decks on hand that, in his words, aren't that strong including Dargo Jessica Partner and five-color Niv-Mizzet. It's also brought up at some point that his friends don't really want to play with him anymore, so he's glad we let him join as our fourth person. That's a bad sign. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing red flags. <laughs> I was like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we all choose fairly casual decks and shuffle up. New guy runs Dargo Jessica and ends up swinging Dargo at me for lethal turn four with Guillaume as my only blocker. Wow, playing that Guillaume deck. Fucking love it. <laughs> the salt got the better of me, and I decide to let Dargo annihilate me to his shock. I promptly excuse myself for a drink and a sanity break. New player ends up picking everyone else off one by one, and making the mistake of being polite, we shuffle up for another. Ooh. It was around this time we noticed his tournament champ playmat. <laughs> this man busts out his casual Golos deck pre-ban, and proceeds to turn to Gaia's Cradle into Grim Monolith. After we were finished picking our jaws up off the floor, I ask, are those legit? To which he replies, yes, he bought or traded for both of them. Amidst clenched fists and many hushed DMs between the three of us, for the rest of the game, we are subjected to 30-minute turns of Deadeye Navigator plus Golos shenanigans while he digs and fails to find his win con. I insist privately that we kick the guy, but friend one insists every single trigger be played out to completion. Friend two digs for his maze's end to end our misery. Eventually, friend two succeeds in nuking our arch enemy with door to nothingness. He departs the stream, the server, while we finish the game, roasting him for the rest of the night. Was this guy as bad as we made it seem? What would you have done different? Thanks. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, that sounds... Well, first of all, mega props to crushing someone with door to nothingness, especially someone who's kind of pub stomping to like sh literally show them the door out of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> like you can leave now is pretty amazing. It's great. 
and and another set of kudos to being open to having like a rando jump in your pod you never really know what you're gonna get right yeah especially someone who's like hey my friends don't want to play with me anymore like their friends yeah. don't want to play with them anymore <laughs> that's that's not a bad a good sign. sign yeah <laughs> I feel like this is also one of those cases where like the attitude that this person has matters so much. Like if, if someone shows up and is going to be the fourth person in your pod and they're like, Oh, I've got some kind of weak decks and then they stomp and then they're like, Oh my bad. And they pull out a pre-con and it's like totally fine from them. Yeah. Like that is so different than the guy that's like, Oh yeah, these are all really bad decks. And then just pub stomps for like 20 minutes. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's like so clearly misaligned with what the point is that everyone's going for. It's like, we're here for a fun time. You busted out your tournament champion play mat and your, <laughs> your guy's cradle. Like, there's also something that can happen sometimes, which I do really like, which is when someone has one of those really OP decks and they're like, hey, this deck is really fucking strong, but do you guys want to like see it go off in a game? I might be like, hell yeah, like show me your crazy spice, you know? Like if I'm in the mood to like just see a deck go off in a really cool way or see like a unique build or combo go off in an interesting way that I haven't seen, I do enjoy that sometimes. Especially if a friend has is like, yo, I just built this spicy deck. Like, let me, like, it's going to be a little strong, but like, let me play it against you. Like, if you're feeling just a little subby. Exactly. <laughs> like, fucking combo me, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is, folks. <laughs> oh, this man. is also like, I feel like this is like stewed, stewed <laughs> with Guillaume, you know, like this is clearly like lodged as one of those memories stewed of in like Guillaume's kitchen. Yeah. It's stewed. It's been <laughs> brewed up in the kitchen. It's like clearly something that is just lodged in like the collective memory of this play group of like, do you guys remember when that random showed up and dropped like $5,000 of cards on the table and beat us in five turns? Yeah. I could see this becoming like a mythical mm -hmm. story to tell in their pod. Yeah. Like this random dude rolls in and just crushes them and they managed to kill him with a door yeah. to nothing. Yeah. With a door to nothing. Yeah. It feels like, the prime like memory of past but not yeah. fun in yeah, the present <laughs> type two fun but i love that because like that's that's one of the best parts about celebrating these salty moments too it's like they're just so memorable even yeah. even if they suck in the moment they're so memorable and they're so fun to look at in the past so i love that even a year later he's remembering this hey mike will you define type two fun for us i've heard you say that in a previous podcast episode and i'm not sure all of our listeners know what that is yeah so type one fun is like you show up and you just straight up have fun. Something is fun. You enjoy it. That's type one. So me. Yeah. Tony. Always Tony's enjoyable. Type one fun. Yeah. Tony, <laughs> big fan of type one fun. Tony's like Ty type five fun. <laughs> uh, Sam, can you define type five fun for our listeners? Uh, I don't you think. know, barely ever fun. Super lame. <laughs> <laughs> mean to me. Uh... <laughs> Stinky. Yeah. <laughs> type two fun on the other hand is it sucks in the moment you're really not into it you hate it you don't like it it can even just be kind of like neutral and you don't like it but then looking back on it you're like ah that kind of thing you know ah that was so good it's like if you go camping and get rained on and it's like a really harrowing experience you're like oh this is awful and then like later you're driving home from that experience and you're like that was kind of goofy like we were scared for our lives like, haha, it's so, like <laughs> thunder was really close oh it's like 
Tony, it's like when we were driving back from my cabin in the Adirondacks and my yeah. radiator blew up and we <laughs> had to drive like 20 miles an hour on the side of the road for like 40 miles. With the heat on to the try and blasting. keep the temperature of your car lower. <laughs> yep. Because it was overheating the engine so bad. And we didn't have any cell phone signal. Good yeah. times. In hindsight, that sounds like a great time. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so glad I wasn't there. <laughs> in the car in the summer with the heat blasting. You know? Oh, man. And it was like, there's this stretch going up to the Adirondacks of like 15 to 20 miles where you just don't have cell phone signal. And my parents are are like worriers and they're always like, you know, there's that stretch where you don't have cell phone signal. I'm like, nothing's going to happen. And that is where it happened. So of <laughs> yeah. course I was like, oh my God, I can't even call anyone. Like this is exactly what my parents warned me about the last 20 <laughs> years of my life. <laughs> well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. That's awesome. You're welcome. So what's the, uh, what's the salt rating? What are people vibing on this one? This would definitely be like nearing a full shaker for me. If some random person came in and was kind of like ruining my evening of playing games, I'd be pretty frustrated for sure. I mean, granted, if I was in this group, we did kind of invite this upon ourselves. There was a red flag, but it's hard because I think there's like a social pressure where you've asked somebody and then they drop a red flag on you. You can't necessarily be like, oh, never mind. And, And someone who's like watching your Twitch stream. Yeah. You know, you, you got to kind of extend that goodwill and like give that person a shot and maybe uh, it's fucking backfires like crazy. <laughs> I was about to say, having streamed occasionally when someone is in your stream and is like chatting with you about what's going on, it's great. And then, yeah, totally. Then to find out in a couple games with them that they're actually kind of a little salt lord, it would be terrible. <laughs> it would be so sad. Yeah. <laughs> That's like where where this the big salt of this would happen for me is like I would have all my hopes up that like, oh, this is a viewer. They're gonna be so nice. Yeah. They're gonna stop by in my stream another time. And then it's like, no. They just wanted to show up and stomp some people. Well, not everyone can be like Guillaume's Kitchen or Lotus Cobra Commander. Or our third listener that we haven't mentioned yet. You know, not everyone can be like our awesome listeners. Hey, and who is that third listener, Sam? Ooh, ooh, man, that segue. Ooh, looking <laughs> spicy. That one nice. That is extremely good. Nice, like ice. Yeah, is that a thing? Do people say that? You did. I don't, <laughs> don't worry, Tony. I'll cut that out. So yeah. That won't uh, make sure. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely won't. <laughs> Wait, I do know what the salt rating for this this story is. Give it. This to is us. this is the salt that you put on the ice in the ice cream maker. You don't want to mm. eat it. You don't want to eat it. It's gross. But after <laughs> the fact, it's actually left you with a delightfully delicious experience that you can look back. Ooh, <laughs> Mike, that was spicy, mm, man. Mike, like that. so impressed. So who is this third listener name? <laughs> so, <impressed>. <laughs> so our third listener is actually somebody whose post that we had on previously on this show. It's our friend, the Mighty Battle Squid. So the Mighty Battle Squid has come back and sent us a salty confessional, which is one of my favorite things. You know, we get a lot of salty situations, salty stories. But a salty confessional mm, just hits in a different way. Love <laughs> it. Love these. 
And they say, I beseech the council of salt to judge me and weigh my salty sins inflicted upon my playgroup who was just trying to have fun on commander night. It's so good. I love the start. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Man, ain't we all been there before? (laughs) I accept now that I completely took over game night, not realizing how much stronger my decks were than the others, because I'm used to having a player or two in the game who can and will focus me when I start setting up and or popping off. I took their contributions for granted and did not control enough for their absence. I only made myself look worse as I tried to remedy it with half-done measures. To begin with, I played a Winota deck that I thought (laughs) had been properly nerfed for my power level, but it turned out to be a disaster after all. Yep. That is definitely a mistake. <laughs> yeah. We're just talking in our last episode about how crazy Winota is. Winota's borderline got those like turgid levels of like you can't really make it. Yeah, like casual that Winota's week. still insane. Like it just like <laughs> what what does it pop out? It's like you get stuff on. You attack uh, with a non-human and you pop out a human from yeah. Your deck. So if you make it truly human tribal, that's how you nerf it. Like, to just never get a trigger off yeah, of it. You never get <laughs> yeah, a trigger. Not playing the deck. Pure humans. <laughs> the salt started when I used a combination of Mirror of the Four Bears and Angel of Destiny to completely wipe out everyone at the table over the course of two short turns. For any interaction, I had responses of my own, like Ephemeral Shields or Brave the Elements. The next game, everyone conceded around turn five or six after my intentionally slow start quickly spiraled out of control. I kept a hand with some basics, Windbrisk Heights, Marble Diamond, Aurelia Exemplar of Justice, and some other angel that I thought wasn't that scary. However, I top-decked a Soul Ring turn two, which was soon followed by a turn in which Windbrisk Hikes cheated out Gisela Blade of Gold Knight, and one of my Winota triggers immediately flipped over Blade Historian, giving everything double strike. Suddenly, my four power creatures that are going unblocked due to a lack of flyers on their side hurt a lot worse when the damage was quadrupled. God damn. Wow. <laughs> a 4-4 doing freaking 16 damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, because everything's getting doubled with yeah. Gisela. And then double strike, insane. I tried to make it up by pulling out different decks, but those didn't make me look much better in the eyes of the playgroup. Kumena Tyrant of Orozka similarly took over as I copied creatures like Mero Regery and Master of Waves with Renegade Doppelganger and Spark Double. They asked each other if anyone had board wipes and one player admitted that they just had one in hand. I was in blue, so obviously I had answers, even if they managed to pull a second board wipe. So I let the table know and they scooped. <laughs> Final game of the night. They ran Vorce of Duality, stormed off after a sudden breakthrough, which creates a treasure cast while Mirrorwing Dragon was out, which triggered twice because of Veyron. Led to enough treasures in play to Underworld Breach and to cycle through my triggers until I won the game that turn with a gajillion Mirrorwing Dragon tokens created by a Rionia Fire Dancer cast with some of the treasures. Spicy. (laughs) So as to not repeat that night, I'm trying to really restrict myself with my next few decks for nights like this. I'm thinking something like Alesha Who Smiles at Death with Obosh the Prey Piercer as a companion. There are a lot fewer good creatures with power two or less and odd mana value that will benefit both legendary's abilities than you can think. And needing to run three plus CMC ramp is sure to slow it down. I can't run most of the good interaction in Mardu colors this way either. 
Any other suggestions and guidelines from the Council of Salt would mean a lot. I'm truly sorry for what happened that night and hope those players will eventually forgive me. <laughs> uh, this is not your fault. It's not your fault. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, this we is such you. a we do. This is such an example to me of like a deck is so contextual as to whether or not it's okay. Like you play those same decks when everyone else's power levels are just a little higher and it's perfect and like a way more fun game. There's way more interaction. And like this player is already looking to build us a, a weaker deck too. This is you're doing all the right things. Battle squid. May your 10 tentacles find the perfect things to cast. I don't know. Sounds like you had a spicy night though. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a fucking Definitely. dope night Definitely. I mean, I, I will echo what Mike says, like the context for a deck really it doesn't need much to make it too powerful if i'm playing my gave combo deck with my pod they're going to be like don't fucking let sam get any combo pieces on the board <laughs> don't let him cast gave we cannot let this happen so i am kind of used to playing into that where even though my deck is more a little bit more powerful than maybe what the pod's bringing very similar to what the mighty battle squid said i'm used to that attention bringing down my power level a bit because i'm getting focused a bit if I go to a pod where it's a full new pod and no one really knows my Gave deck, well, you know, now it's going to be a little bit more powerful. Um, I think if you judge the power of a deck, it really does change depending on who you're playing with, what your meta is, what the play group is, even if they're just playing the exact same decks list for list. There's also totally variance just in playing a deck. Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't know you were going to top deck a soul ring and turn that into a really spicy play. And you didn't know you were going to flip out a blade historian from your deck and immediately like quadruple up on the damage that you were dealing. Like that is just variance in a deck. Sure, that stuff is in there and you built that into your deck because they're really good strategies. But that type of variance, you don't know if it's going to come up in a game and the stars can align in such a way that your deck just pops the fuck off. And yeah. it can also happen the other way where your stars misalign and you don't even get your like third land drop. Like I think we've all been on the receiving ends of, of, of both sides of that lucky coin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As for like the question that they're asking of, of what are some ways to tone down the deck or potentially build a new deck rather, that's like a mm -hmm. little more at the right power level. I think battle squid, you're on exactly the right track there, you know, picking some themes or just Starting with deck building decisions that are not based on your power level is actually a really good way of limiting the power level. Like if you're if you're deciding that you're going to run thematic, like odd costed things, like mm -hmm. that's not necessarily impacting power level. It's just impacting like deck game plan. Or like if you're deciding that you don't want to run any instance or something, like you just, you know, want to not have any instance in your deck. It doesn't, it probably will make your deck worse, but like you can choose these thematic things or just like deck decisions that lower the power level without being an intentional twist on the power level itself. Yeah, yeah. I think some of those self-imposed rules and guidelines and, and self-imposed restrictions is really uh, what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. I think that can lead to one, a lot of creativity in your deck building and two, kind of nerf your power level a little bit just by circumstance. Yeah. Like I have an Alesha deck. Uh, so it's kind of funny that the mighty battle squid is thinking of Alesha and my Alesha deck is humans only. And 
Um, I try to maximize the number of legendary humans in the deck as well. And it's kind of been a labor of, uh, it's kind of been a labor of love. I've had this deck for years and years and I've been slowly improving it. I think really only recently have I tuned it up to the point where it's like a good deck. There yeah. were a lot of times where it would do cool things and I would really enjoy that. And I was getting this really unique synergy off of it. But but I always struggled to close the game out, and only recently has it actually started been uh, started to to do really well. But yeah. I still stick to those restrictions, and it you know it's not a deck where I can just put in the many combos that an Alesha mm-hmm. deck wants because I I don't really allow myself to do that. Yeah, and the other thing is you still should just goldfish it at the end of the day that's going to be your best way of getting a sense of how strong the deck is you can impose all kinds of deck building restrictions you can like have plans you can cut some certain strong cards but if you're just like naturally solid at building a decently synergistic deck you might end up with something that's still like a little too strong and so Mm -hmm. if you goldfish it if you just play some dummy hands and figure out you know, what turns it's really starting to go off and be impactful, it'll be easier to figure out where it needs to fit into your meta. Tony, how do you feel about this? I, I, I think I mostly agree with everything you guys are saying. I don't have anything like unique beyond it. The I do think the key piece, if you're looking to build decks and trying to liberally have it be at a lower power level, like finding fun, unique themes is just like a great way to do that. And like, you'll find such interesting cards. Like that's the cool part about that too. Like you start deck building and you find like weird shit that you, like, you haven't like ever looked for before because you know, the 10 cards that are usually automatically slotted into like all those standard kind of builds, like you mm-hmm. don't, you don't use anymore. And so yeah. like, it really opens up a lot of possibilities. So, I mean, you kind of went through this recently with your Rafine deck, right, Tony? Cause Tony, like we, you know, we talk about this a lot. Tony is our winningest player when we play casual. Um, Stop. He, <laughs> <laughs> he makes really spicy decks and they're very powerful and they pop off in ways that are hard to stop. Um, so I think with your Rafine build, you kind of went out and you were like, hey, I'm going to like try to build this to the commander instead of building it to a specific power level. Yeah, and I think the thing I liked about it too is that I, I normally I'm trying to not do combat wins and so like this deck that's the way you win <laughs> like yeah. there is there is no other path to victory in this deck other than combat so a for me like that opened up a lot of shit <laughs> that I don't normally see but um there's like there's some stuff that I always typically have but I again I, th- I think like my removal package is more of where I found like a lot of interesting stuff because I mean, as we know, I also don't tend to run those, but <laughs> there's a lot of unique stuff because I, I don't like running all the standard things. Uh, and so like finding stuff that fit into the pattern of what the deck wanted to do, which is a lot of like discardy shenanigans stuff yeah. was like more interesting. I think other things, I mean, just general advice for depowering a deck, removing tutors removes consistency. And consistency makes a really powerful deck even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, reducing the fast mana that you have. I mean, maybe that arcane signet becomes a commander sphere. You know, there's like a lot of little things that you can do. What, what you're really trying to do is, let's say you have this Winota deck. It typically wins from a range of turn five to seven, right? You can build your deck in such a way where you're still running similar creature packages, but now you've shifted that win from five to seven to like six to eight 
seven to nine, you know, you're moving the turn that you're trying to win on back by running some slightly slower strategies and things like that. You can still run those powerful cards, but it's sort of this situation where you want to kind of tune it back a little bit. I will say it's hard to do that with cards like Winota. Like we said, it's just a really powerful commander, regardless of how you build it. Uh, unless you fill it with like total dookie humans, like it's going to be good. <laughs> Even if you do that, like there's so much value to be said about like how much you gain. Like yeah, when you pop out stuff for free, like that's such value add. Like winning turns of of commander usually are when people are starting to generate like 12 mana and like do stuff like and like that just happens it's like oh i swung with three creatures and guess what i pooped out three more and like their total like cmc wound up being like six or seven like that's a lot of value just added to the board even things like varin voice of duality i mean that's a commander that copies triggers and you know can potentially i think copies spells too am i right guys Mm mm-hmm yeah, that, that, that's a creature that copies spells and triggers. And, you know, that again is also kind of free value. You're getting, if you, if you have a, an ability that triggers, it's associated with a card of a certain cost and you're copying it. Now it's basically like you have two of those and it's like you got, you got value equal to the cost of the ability that you're copying, you know? So I'm, I am seeing a theme here with like getting kind of that free value so maybe steering away from commanders that do that kind of stuff, yeah. um, that might also be a really good way to, to tune things down. Mm-hmm. Which for the record is like story of my life. Like I love those kinds of decks where yeah, I'm like, like cheating shit in. Like that's everything that I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's why fun. it tends to be powerful. <laughs> so like it does cool shit. But yeah, like yeah. I remember when you played your Obeka deck the first time and just fucking crushed our asses with like tons <laughs> of free value. And we were like, well, I guess we're just going to die. Yeah. <laughs> That felt good. I didn't <laughs> that I like crushed did. pretty hard with that deck to the point that I like just stopped playing it. Like <laughs> Yeah, bring it back. I liked that deck a lot and I like didn't I don't play it anymore. <laughs> Rio Becca. I think the last couple times you played it too, we just were really abusive. <laughs> we just yeah. like killed it. Well, Obeka there's a lot of like you site. don't what when you see it happen, you're like, I don't want to see it again. And yeah. so then everybody yeah. just like kind of like shuts you down. Yeah. Well, I think that goes into that variance thing as well, where mm-hmm. if like the first showing of a deck is incredibly powerful, it puts a taste in your mouth every other time you see the deck where you're like, I can't let that happen again. You know, whereas if the first time you played Obeka, you just dirtled for six turns, we'd be like, yeah, that deck's okay. Maybe sometimes yeah. it pops off. So what's this all rating on this bad boy? This is you brought some prosciutto to a ham fight. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the concept of a ham fight is <laughs> I want to be invited to the next ham fight. <laughs> oh, I'll let you know. I didn't know you were interested. I've been hosting them. You, oh, dude. I'll, I'll send you the invite to the yeah. next one. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Yeah, you just accidentally brought a little extra salt. And uh, next, you're already working on the the correctly cured ham, so exactly. don't worry about it. I got, I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's perfection. Just not, there's nothing else to say. That's amazing. <laughs> Mike does it again. Does it again, folks. So I was so sad when we almost didn't do it. I was like, no. <laughs> well, 
I think it's that time, guys. Oh, shit. What time? I think it's that time of the week. The time of the week that we look forward to every week. (laughs) (laughs) It's the time of the week where we say, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? Mike, 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 Mike. Well, it's a salty card of the week. Love it, love it. You know that you got it. It's a salty card of the week. It's a salty card of the week. Thank you. Salty card of the week. I was really expecting you to break out into like some throat singing with like a four-part tag there at the end. Like that would have been. Be fucking amazing. There will definitely be a day where we sing a four-part barbershop tag uh, for this show. I'm here for it. (laughs) We just have to bring Nick on. Exactly. We we got better yet, make Pat do it with us. We got voice part coverage. Does Pat sing? No. That's why it would be so funny. (laughs) I I mean he's I think he does. I don't know. Not Mm. not not a ton. Mm. Anywho. The salty card of the week <laughs> this week is a good one. It is every week, but this one, it's extra good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that one week where it's bad. There was that one, and it wasn't good. This one is Smothering Tithe. Oh, mm. I know this card. Yeah. It is three and a white for an enchantment that says, whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two. If the player doesn't, you create a treasure token. Hmm. Tony, does this one make you salty? That's a great question. You know, no one pays. No, no one, one pays. pays. For this. You don't pay two. You <laughs> fucking never pay two. Unless you're already winning and somehow have so much mana that you can pay. Like, mm-hmm. nobody fucking pays for that shit. So, in part, it feels less bad because it's like expected. It's like, oh, they're just going to get a bunch of mana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. and you're like, they're just, it's just happening. If I can't remove it, it's just happening. And I never want to use my removal on it. It's one of those things that it just snowballs so quick because yeah. yeah. no one removes it. And they're like, well, they already have 10 mana. Yeah. What does it matter yeah, if they exactly. get another 10? Yep. There's a point where you just stop giving a shit. You're like, whatever. What's yeah. what's the difference between 10 and 20 mana? Like, who cares? I feel like that is the, the salt I have with this card because that's always what it is for me. I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> like, do you win or do you not? Like, can I get to my turn now? Like, <laughs> I'll just let it go through a few cycles and I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't do anything to remove it. You also play. <laughs> you also play Zyrus, Rafine, and Locust God. Yeah, just tons yeah. of card draw. <laughs> tons of tons of card draw decks. <laughs> uh, I'll say. I think once or twice I've had it and like went to do a wheel of some sort and somebody removed it and that's when I felt salty. So mm-hmm. I was like, come on, like, let me just have the thing. Well, that's the right time to remove it, right? When like it a is. big uh, draw spell hits, like you got I'm it. I'm not saying that's incorrect, but that doesn't make me less salty when it happens yeah. to me. <laughs> and meanwhile, if I'm just like sitting at the table and somebody else has it and that's going to happen, I'm like, it's also almost one of those things too where people almost forget and like, yeah. And you're like, oh, we all wheel. And it's like, oh, wait, we all wheel. Like, can somebody do anything about the tide mm-hmm. before this happens? I think mm-hmm. you're saying that because that literally happened in one of our games where Nick wheeled. Mike had out a smothering tithe and made a fuck ton of mana. <laughs> and Nick was like, oh, I forgot about the smothering tithe. And we were like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then surprise, Mike won on like yeah. the next turn. <laughs> Everyone was like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Sam, does this one make you salty? 
Um, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I, I feel very similar to Tony. Like I, I really love this card. I love to play it. Um, I have it in a lot of my decks. I think I have it in most of my decks. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just really, it's a super powerful effect, but it is really hard to pay that cost. It's very rare that people do even in CDH, which we don't see it as much in CDH because it is a four man enchantment. Um, but when it does come up, I don't really see people pay for it but it's sort of, you're more likely to. Yeah. Generally, I find if someone has like a soul ring, they're kind of willing to pay for it more often than not mm-hmm. um, because it's, you know, it's like sort of, I already have this extra mana. Maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it is that thing where once someone gets like six or seven treasures with it, people just stop giving a shit and they let you make treasures like crazy. Yeah, totally. The thing that I really don't like about Smothering Tithe is when there's a fucking Ristic study on the board and the two people make this like agreement where they're like, Hey, I'll never pay for Ristic study. If you never pay for smothering tithe. And they're like, yeah, I'll take that deal. And that deal almost always benefits the smothering tithe player. And I fucking hate it. man. <laughs> I do not like that deal. Cause then they just, it's get not so even a deal mana. because they weren't yeah. going to pay for it. The Ristic anyway. player is like, not going to pay for it. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, and the Ristic player is not going to, choose to not draw cards exactly no. and and then the other person gets so much mana value and it just goes crazy and not only are they not paying for the ristic study they're getting a treasure out of it so a ristic study you know you could evaluate ristic study by saying every spell costs one additional mana right if you pay for it every single time well if you don't pay now it doesn't cost an additional mana and if you get a treasure well now you're netting two mana in the other direction every time yeah. you cast a spell so it's just this like crazy snowball of value. And for the other two people at the table, they're just like, they get nothing. You know, they're yeah. like, well, I guess, uh, I guess this is happening. One of you is going to have a crazy grip of cards. One of you is going to be totally flooded with mana to have crazy turns. The number of times that this has happened to me, where there's like two Ristics out or like two, a smothering tithe and a Ristic. And I'm just sitting there being like, well, I'm just the schmo. Yeah. <laughs> Higher than I can count. Totally. Yeah. Like I have this specific game in my mind where we were playing with my friend Gene. And I think it was Gene, Nick, and maybe you, Tony. And this was like a couple of years ago. And Nick had a Ristic study and Gene had a Smothering Tithe. And they were like, let's make a deal. And they, they just kept drawing cards and being like, yeah, yeah. Like making treasures. And we were just like, I was like, I'm going to lose the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, isn't, this isn't a game where I can win anymore. This is a game where either Nick or Gene will win and Tony and I will lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Mike? Does this make you salty? No, I don't think this one makes me salty. And I think I, think I agree with everything you guys have said. It is really strong and no one wants to pay for it because yeah. you're effectively you have to pay two to stop the other player from getting one mana. So it's just a really bad rate to ever like pay for this. Even if it sometimes is the right call, if the entire table can unite to decide to do this, it just feels like really bad rate to have to pay two mana to stop one mana. Um, But yeah, I play enough white that I really like this card. Uh, (laughs) and, And I liked also that this card in some ways felt like one of the sort of the turning points as they experimented with more kinds of effects to give white to kind of balance the color pie a little bit. And I think they've done a really good job of doing that in recent sets. Um, 
maybe even pushing it too far in some cases we'll see but um i appreciate this as sort of the landmark card in my mind that sort of that sort of started that path as well where where does this sit on the list mike so this sits give me a second while you're looking that up i will say i do love the design of this card um i think that it's a really perfect design space for white where it's like my opponent does something I give them the option to pay a tax mm -hmm. on it. And if they do or don't, you know, I get some kind of benefit from it. Yeah. I love that design space for white. I think it's yeah. really, really fun. So Tony, this one sits at 26, but it also lands oh. pretty highly as one of like the most improved ones compared to last year's rating, uh, where it was actually around 49. Hmm. So this has moved up. Improved as in it's moved up the list. Yeah, like people think become, are saltier about right. it. Right. People are That's more salty about this card now than they were in the past. I wonder if those bitches are paying and we're just not. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why they feel saltier. Yeah. Well, we are seeing this trend with the new EDH rec list this year where cards that have gone up in price, like staples that have gone up in price mm -hmm. a lot are saltier. Yeah. Uh, like we saw it with Dockside, we saw it with Cyclonic Rift. Granted, those are salty cards and you know have their own frustrations tied up with them but this is another one where this card is really expensive uh it's it's getting up there yeah. i mean what's do you have the price on hand for this bike yeah 21 right now which is actually yeah. much less expensive than i thought it was yeah i um, thought it was like 30 or something that's not too bad but still yeah. i mean you know above still pretty a five dollar ten dollar card like it's still yeah. a lot yeah you can't fill a deck with cards like that or you can, but it gets ridiculously expensive. Don't worry. Yeah. Wizards will reprint it. It'll be fun. <laughs> they did just reprint they just it, reprinted right? It. Just, yeah. it just came oh, out in double. In it was in double masters. Yeah. Oh, nice. So yeah, a very pulled, accessible set for everyone. I yeah. pulled one. I pulled one at Magic 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's it for the salty card of the week. <laughs> Fuck you, Sam. <laughs> Real quick thought experiment. Would you guys still play? Would you guys think that this card would be way better if it um, was only one mana versus two mana to stop the treasure? Yeah. I would pay it way more frequently. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think it'd be would much easier it. to pay. Yeah. It, it also is much easier to evaluate. The is it worse for me to have a mana or my opponent to have one mana? Is it's just way easier to evaluate that yeah. given a given board state, like oh, how many cards do they have? Like you can just figure that out all a lot better. And it still would be powerful and still pop off with a wheel and stuff like that. I mean, uh still has a very similar effect with Ristic Study, but one mana, maybe a little bit easier. Anywho. Well, thanks for the salty card of the week segment, Mike. That was lovely. And thank you to our prospectors out there for catching up with us again this week, tuning in and listening to these salty stories. And thank you for sending these salty stories in to Lotus Cobra Commander, Guillaume's Kitchen, and the Mighty Battle Squid. We appreciate you guys sending us in these salty stories and salty confessionals so we could share them with the rest of the listenership out there. As always, you guys can find us on our Instagram and our Reddit, uh, which are both The Howling Salt Mine. Find us on Twitter, if it still exists. <laughs> at howling Oof. salt mine <laughs> um and and if you'd like to send us a salty story and have it considered for a future mail time episode send that to us at the howling salt mine at gmail.com and as always we ask you to keep those stories short sweet and to the salt i also want to say lua introduced it last week i'm going to try to keep it going as best i can 
If you guys are listening to us on Spotify, make sure you're subscribed. Please give us a five-star rating if you can. That really does help. Uh, And the same goes for Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You know, we don't spend any money on advertising. We just have our social media presence out there. So if you guys have friends that you think might enjoy this podcast, you know, ask them to listen, shoot our link around. And uh, hopefully, you know, you get to kind of share that that love of the show with, with some close friends to you. Yeah. Next time someone really tilts in your play group, say, Oh boy, have I got a podcast for you? (laughs) (laughs) DM them a link. (laughs) First write down the story and send it to us. Yeah. First write write the story down first. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And we also want to shout out our amazing artist, JD Burnett. Devin is a tattoo artist in Asheville, North Carolina. If you guys are down there, get a tattoo from him. He's a super, super cool dude. Really awesome of him to make this amazing art for us. And, uh, you know, we just want to give him credit where credit's due and it is due baby. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Is there also a congrats to We had a giveaway winner. Yeah, Tony, we did just have a giveaway and, uh, this was a giveaway on our Instagram. If you guys missed it, you know, make sure you're following us on Instagram. That's where we're kind of the most active right now. We don't do a ton of giveaways, but we're hoping to do more and more in the future. Um, This was for the Phyrexian secret layer and five of our salty tokens. And this one went to MTG Zinfig. MTG Zinfig, I hope that you are enjoying those. Uh, You should have them in hand by now. And hopefully you are confounding, confusing, and frustrating your friends with those awesome Phyrexian (laughs) text predators. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Thanks again for tuning in, everybody, and we will see you next week. Stay salty, and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. But those didn't make me look much... Those didn't make me look fuck. <laughs> those didn't make me look muck better. <laughs> here's the Oh, here's the blue food. Somebody sue us. Oh, it's Mailed not. <laughs> it's not. Someone sue us. Oh, it's not at all. Let me sing my song.